And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Well, that sucked. And you know what sucks worse is I feel like I've started at least four podcasts with exactly that line over the last two years. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noah coming at you with a yikes, Bucks 26, Saints 9. What is going on with the Saints offense post-game podcast? I was there on the sidelines at the Superdome. You know, and, and I... I'm a, I'm a reporter by trade, right? I try not to get too emotional about things. I try to be even keeled on the sidelines in general. You know, I'm not out there screaming. I'm not out there jumping around. But golly, today, I mean, I was bent over like, what is happening? And we're going to get into it. It was just rough. You know, this, this, this graphic to my left, it says offensive. Not offensive, offensive. Because if you're a Saints fan, you should be offended by the product that has been put on the field the last mm, five quarters of football in particular. You know, that, that's not to say the offense has been good over the last year plus. But what we saw today was as inept as it gets. And not just on the offensive side of the ball. And pardon me, I'm going to go through a rant here. And then we'll do kind of the typical three up, three down. I'm actually going to start with a three up this time because it's going to be so short that by the time I'm done with this rant, it'll it'll fit nicely into uh, the last, I don't know, 90 seconds of, uh, of this segment. Then we will do a long segment on the three down, which is really going to be, gosh, however many down you can you can think of it's going to be a lot and then we'll do a mailbag in the back end of the show so if you have any questions comments if you're watching this on youtube or facebook throw it in the feed wherever you are and we'll dive into it but man i mean there's been some low points over the last two seasons with the saints and there's been a lot of very reasonable criticism levied at Dennis Allen, levied at Pete Carmichael, levied at the coaching staff. And one of the things that I try to do when I am critiquing this team is to not just kind of reflexively go for the low-hanging fruit of, oh, it's the play calling. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. I try to look at a bigger picture than that. And and that's one of the reasons, like, I did a podcast where I pointed out that, like, no, the play calling wasn't necessarily the biggest issue for the Saints over the first few weeks of the season. I think they actually had been doing some things that worked. And the reason I do that is because like, there are issues with this team. And 
I think only looking at the play calling and saying the play calling is an issue, fix the play calling, fix the play calling, I think it ignores some of the real issues with this team. And like people think, oh, you're just you're just taking it easy on Pete Carmichael. You're taking it easy on these people. Actually, I think what I'm doing is telling you that I don't think it's as simple as saying get a new play caller and this offense will be just fine. I think there are deeper issues than that. I think there's preparation issues. I think there are schematic issues that go well beyond the play calling. And I think that's what you saw today. Now, let me be clear. I don't think Derek Carr should have been on the field today. I said this multiple times. I said it in the week leading up to the game. I said it this morning on the pregame show. They put Derek Carr on the field. I feel like I am living in a loop because go back to week two of last season. Jameis Winston is dealing with back fractures. You have Andy Dalton. You say, hey, I trust Andy Dalton. I brought him in here because we we brought him in here because we trust him, because he can get the job done. And if we need him, we can put him out there and trust that he can get it done. Well, what happened in week two when you needed a backup to go in there and get it done? You threw your injured quarterback on the field, and he played very much like an injured quarterback. Got hurt worse. Today... What did you do? You put your injured quarterback on the field and he played like an injured quarterback. Did he get hurt worse? I don't think so. That might be the only silver lining from this game for the Saints is I think the pass protection, which has been the biggest issue over the first three weeks, actually improved. I thought Trevor Penning in particular had a solid day. A guy who was a punching bag after week one. Derek Carr wasn't running for his life the whole day. And when he was escaping the pocket, it was in ways that allowed him to do that, right? When you lose, you lose in ways that allow your quarterback space. The Bucs did it all day. So where's the excuse now? Right? Like you had time. It wasn't like the only thing you could do was get the ball out quickly. It didn't work. Something did not click. And I just don't think that Derek was Derek today. You know, he hasn't been great. But the guy we saw out there throwing passes, like Dennis Allen came on. We'll hear a little bit from Dennis Allen. We'll hear a little bit from Derek Carr. Uh, you know, they'll say the shoulder wasn't the issue. We're not going to use the shoulder as an excuse. Literally said that. He should not have been out there. Like, if you're going to tell me that that short arm ball to Chris Olave that should have been a touchdown had nothing to do with the shoulder, that there's three or four passes that just seemed to tick off had nothing to do with the shoulder, I don't believe you. I don't. You took him out of the game. Dennis Allen said he took him out of the game. The reason Jameis Winston went in for that last drive was because the shoulder pain progressed to the point that it, that they felt more comfortable taking him out, letting Jameis run that final drive. So if that's the case, then clearly he threw 37 passes today. <laughs> it's just get out of here. If you're going to tell me you trust Jameis Winston and you brought him in because you feel like you can put him in and win a game, stop lying to me because that's not the case. Clearly, that's not the case. You put an injured guy out on the field and you played like an injured quarterback, and that's not even the biggest issue because this offense has already shown that it cannot put up points at a level that you can win games across from anything but the elitist of elite defenses. How many times a year are you going to expect your defense to go out there and pitch a shutout? Right? They did it through three quarters last week. Couldn't get it done then. The defense started okay, but I have a lot of issues with how the defense played today too. 
There was not a lot to like from this performance, and I think it goes to everybody. Like, I don't we – can, we can point to the offense. We can say, yes, they struggled mightily. But, you know, we kind of expected that, right? Like, if you didn't go into this game expecting an offense to look like the offense we saw, you know, that's on you. And you know what? That's on me because I thought, you know what? The offense we saw in the first half against the Packers, I think – they moved the ball. They looked effective. They got in the end zone. They had a long drive late in the first half. Okay. Where was that offense today? I didn't see it. Um, and, you know, so, like, when you're regressing throughout a season, and you're and, and, and keep in mind, you're going against a Bucks team that did not have multiple players. Ryan Neal, their starting safety, went out on the opening play of the game. They didn't have... Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, Devin White. I'm sorry, they did have Carlton Davis, but he's playing with an injury. They didn't have Jamel Dean, Devin White, Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, all playing hurt. Derek Carr threw the ball 37 times. He got 127 total yards. 13 of those passes went to Alvin Kamara, which one of the things I appreciated about this game was that they actually went to Alvin Kamara so much. But it was the, like, like, I don't have an issue with how many times he threw to Alvin Kamara. I have an issue with how many times he was unable to throw to everybody else. The Saints had one tight end today. One. Not including Taysom Hill. Because Jawan Johnson messed up his calf in the, in the pregame, which he had been dealing with a calf injury previously. It's not out of nowhere. He, he was on the injury report. I want to say it was before going into the Panthers game, he was on the injury report with a calf issue. So it's not a completely out of left field injury. It's one that we've seen before. But, you know, when you get hurt right before the game means you don't have the option. Like if he, if this injury had happened Friday, you could have potentially called up one of your practice squad tight ends, had an extra body. It happened right before the game. I watched him on the sideline with my spotter Tyler right next to me and we're like, hmm, that's weird. He's during the national anthem, during the introductions, he's out there stretching his calf out I'm like hmm that's not a good sign and when you know it doesn't play a snap in this game Jimmy Graham the only active tight end you know how many targets Jimmy Graham the great Jimmy Graham got in this game it's a round number two round it's a zero how 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 you go an entire game with one tight end, not throw the ball at him once. He threw, Derek Carr threw 37 times. <laughs> he didn't target Jimmy Graham once. What? It just doesn't make sense. The offense doesn't make sense. And it's frustrating, and I get it. Uh, but again, like, you can point to play calling. <laughs> and, and I think there were, there were issues. You know, one of the things I, that I have a gripe about, and, and we can continue on this, but, you know, like, every time you see the Saints throw a shot play on third and two, you hear like, oh, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? And and I understand it, but that's like prime shot play territory. Like at the 50, you're getting a look. It's a tendency breaker, right? They're expecting you to convert the first down, just to run it, to do whatever. And you're going to go deep. You're going to get a good look and you're going to attack it. Well, the problem is that works when they're not expecting it. When <laughs> most of the time you're going to run it, you're going to try to pick up the first down. You're going to run something at the sticks, something a high percentage, and you're going to probably execute it. Well, the problem is when you're only running tendency breakers, then that's your tendency. 
So it's not breaking anything. They're expecting it. They're sitting on it. And that's what has happened because it seems like every time the Saints get to midfield and end up in third and short, they're going deep. And and again, like I don't think just, you know, strategically that is a terrible idea generally speaking. But if you're doing that every time, <laughs> then who are you fooling? They're actually going to be more fooled if you don't do it. Um, and I actually think in the second half, you know, one of the things that I was mildly encouraged by in this game was I thought in the second half, we saw some common sense adjustments from Pete Carmichael, from the offense. Now, they didn't get in the end zone, but they extended drives. They ran the ball. They got first downs. You know, that's why I was so disappointed in the defense because people are telling, you know, usually the excuse I'll give you for a defense that folds late in the game is you left them on the field the whole game. That's not what happened today. The defense was on the field for five minutes in the first half before they allowed an 87, like five game minutes, to be clear, before they allowed an 87-yard 17-play touchdown drive. They weren't gassed at that point. The Saints defense, I mean, the Saints offense had two extended drives in that second half to cut the lead to eight, right? Like, they, the offense was anemic, as it has been always over the last two years, but they did cut the lead to eight twice in the second half and they gave their defense a chance to go on the field and potentially get the ball back. Maybe, you know, maybe something happens. Put some game pressure on the Bucks, and you might have a chance to go down there, get a touchdown, get a two-point conversion. I don't know why you would expect that to happen, but you give yourself a chance for it. Well, both times the defense went out. Six-play drive, I think 42 yards, a lot of field goals, so you're right back to 11 points. The offense goes down, kicks another field goal, gets it back to eight. Then I think you have a 10-play drive, 75 yards, touchdown. Like both times, your your defense should have been reasonably rested. There was an extended drive, and they got on the field, and they folded immediately. And, you know, it was just a failure at every level. It was a failure of the players, right? Like that's the thing. Like you can point to the coaches, and you should. Like the coaching staff has a, has a lot of the blame here. But the players are, are responsible for... These are professionals. They got to be better than this. Um, we're going to get to that in the, in the down segment. We don't have to get to more. But before before we go, I do want to point to a couple positive things. And and this rant is more just me just venting because I'm frustrated. I'm tired of watching this. And again, like I I do consider myself to be a reasonably judicial person, right? Like I'm not I'm not here trying to get emotional and be like, yeah, why? You know, I'm typically just trying to to watch and figure out what's going wrong, what can go better. In this case, it's like, guys, get out of your own freaking way. Um, and and so, like to me, it's it's not necessarily about the play calling in the game. It's about what's happening during the week because this team was not prepared to play today. This team got punched in the face over and over again and just said, please give me another. And like, what? Have some pride. Have some respect. <laughs> go out there and fight. Because I didn't see a team that was ready to fight today. I didn't see a team that had a plan today. It seemed like the only plan was, let's get Derek on the field and see what happens. And that was not a good plan. Um, but, you know, I, before we go, and then so that's the rant. My rant's over. I'll keep ranting, but, but that's, that's what I'm going to say for now. Um, I don't expect this team to make any changes right now. I expect them to look at things. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, hear from, we'll hear from Dennis Allen in the next segment. But, you know, if, if, you, if this team is serious about itself, it got a lot closer to, to making some drastic decisions today. You know, I don't know how, what, where you were going into this game. You, got, you, you, took, a, you took several long steps toward, toward that, you know, emergency lever 
that you're going to pull because, man, uh, <laughs> two and two, this does not feel like two and two. It feels like you're lucky to be two and two. Three good things that happened today. Let's, let's call it that rather than stock up. Trevor Penning, you know, like I said, punching bag week one. I thought he was really solid last week. You know, even in a day that the protection did not do so hot, it wasn't Trevor who was getting beat, right? Like he allowed one pressure in that game. I know he had a holding penalty, but you know, I you know, if worst case scenario, if you're not letting your quarterback get teed off on, I'm okay with it. At least you're in a position to hold. You didn't get beat clean, right? And so he allowed one pressure. You know, the sacks were two. I think Ryan Ramchick allowed two. Uh, Eric McCoy allowed one and Landon Young allowed one. And, and I thought he looked solid that week. I thought he was solid today. I, I haven't obviously gotten to watch the tape, but I didn't really hear his name called all that much. And, you know, it, it's, I think Derek Carr only got sacked twice. One was late in the game trying to make something happen. It was, a, he held the ball way too long. And I, I think we have seen Derek Carr hold the ball too long in a few instances. Um, and it's usually on third down in, in long yardage situations. But I thought, I think Trevor Penning for a guy who, you know, everyone was freaking out about in week one has has just put his head down, worked, gotten better. So, you know, in a in a situation where this team's not folding, the team's not gonna sell sell the superdome and fire everybody, like you're hoping that you can get things turned around. And so from the you need your left tackle. You want your first round pick to be a solid left tackle. And so what we've seen the last two weeks has been encouraging. I'll give him that. Next thing. Alvin Kamara. Still Alvin Kamara, right? Like the the yardage wasn't to be desired. I think Devin Wayne had a lot to do with that. There was a several plays in this game that you got the ball to Alvin and and against a lot of people, he's putting his foot in the ground. He's making a miss. Devin White's is just a different dude. And, you know, he wasn't able to get any yardage on those checkdowns, on those the balls in his hand. But I think this offense is better when you give Alvin Kamara those opportunities. And even though the yardage wasn't huge, the drives in the second half, those were fueled by Alvin Kamara. Not necessarily huge gains, but first downs. And the difference between having Alvin Kamara and not having Alvin Kamara is the ability to get those hard first downs. So I think what we saw from him is encouraging. He, you know, I think he's still shaking the rust off a little bit. Um, but for this team, for this offense to get things going in the right direction, Alvin Kamara has got to be a huge part of it. So, you know, while 13 t- catches might be a little extreme. I like the idea that you're going to get Alvin the ball in space as much as possible. So I consider that a positive. And the last one I'll, I'll throw at you is Brian Brzee is legit, guys. Like Brian Brzee, of all the things that have happened this year, one of the true bright spots so far is Brian Brzee. I mean, he had a like Jadavian Clowney against Michigan level run stuff today. Uh, the only thing that stopped it from being a major highlight was the guy's helmet didn't pop off and he didn't force a fumble, but he just swallowed him, you know, and that was early in the game. And then, you know, the Saints, you know, I, I'm going to give their defense a lot of grief in this next segment, but, you know, after getting just effed over at the end of the first half, um, uh, we'll talk about Michael Burton in a second. I'm sorry, not Michael Burton. I wish they still had Michael Burton. We'll talk about Adam Prentice in a second. They came out to start the second half, force a three and out. Brian Brzee was the guy who got the sack, got got Baker Mayfield to the ground, something that did not happen at all. Otherwise, he was running around all day, but it was Brian Brzee who got that sack. He is just, this kid is like just, he's like a baby out there. Like he's just feeling his way around. He is learning on the fly and he's going to be very, very good. And so, you know, like those are the, those are the three 
nice things that I was able to pull out of this. I also thought Rashid Shahid had a solid day. There was a point where it was like, man, the only offense, they, the only chance they have to score a touchdown is Rashid running it back. And so, you know, there was one that I thought he was going to get there. He stumbled and, and didn't, but you know, that that's, that is, you know, it's sad when that's your best opportunity to score, but it felt like that. Um, and so that's it. You know, I'll, I'll give one more Isaac Yadam for a second consecutive game thought played pretty well. He was getting targeted relentlessly. That interception should have been a massive momentum swing at the goal line. Now, it's, it's not as great as it could have been because it would be nice if you didn't allow an 80-yard drive to set up that interception at the goal line. I think he kind of got screwed over by the refs because, come on, get, touchback. That's a touchback. Come, That's always been a touchback. Like, why all of a sudden has happened last week to the Bucks? Why all of a sudden are we pinning teams at the one for making a spectacular play? Get out of here. That is so freaking lame. That defenses are getting punished for making a great play at the goal line. Come on. What game are we playing here? Anyway, you know, like that he got beat by Trey Palmer, <laughs> you know, two plays later, right? <laughs> but I, I, he was in good position. He played it well. Like when you watch Isaac play, the catches that are made on him <laughs> almost always are two inches of space maximum and he's right there. And that's what that Trey Palmer touchdown was. And again, it's like when you're defense and you get the, get a turnover and then all of a sudden you're back on the field at your goal line. Like what the hell, what do I have to do? Uh, I think that was demoralizing. We want to talk about why the defense struggled in the second half. I think that's big demoralizing your defense in that way, right before halftime, not a good way to encourage them to come out hot in the second half. But so I think Isaac played reasonably well. Um, But that's the last Reason that's the last accolade of any kind I'm going to hand out because I think everyone else is <laughs> is on the down list. Um, but all right, that was that was a long long segment, longer than I meant. But we're going to come back and get to the down players because there's several. Um, they're not all individual players. Some of them are duos. Some of them are just matchups. But we'll talk about it. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noack. We're going through that travesty of a game. Bucks 26, Saints 9, insult to injury, the Saints defense's streak of, you know, 11 straight games holding teams to under 20 ended <laughs> in the uh, in the least ceremonious way possible. Uh, and even if they had held the Bucks to under 20 points, I th- they, they, they would have still lost for the second straight game. Um, so there's that. But this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. We're going to come back. We're going to do the down, the stock downs. And then we're going to get into a mailbag to close out the show. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Check us out on YouTube at WWL Sports. If you're not watching there, follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And you can see the latest content news analysis over at WWL.com. If you want to follow along with this podcast, there's a text version of it. Not really, but there is a stock up, stock down post on WWL.com that has all of this information in it. So if you wanted to kind of follow along there as you're listening, go ahead. Otherwise, we will be right back. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to go through the stock down part of the program the uh as, because because the first half of this uh, podcast definitely wasn't negative in any way <laughs> but man it has been 
rough to say to say the least um and i just you know why was Derek Carr on the field that's the most frustrating thing to me is Derek Carr should not have played in this game and you know this is kind of like he's he's my first stock down player but it's more of a duo because I want because it's hard to just say one Derek Carr to Chris Olave what the heck happened six targets one catch four yards now I will say that I think Chris Olave might have been playing hurt for this for a majority of the second half of this game because he took a hit he took a big big hit on a on a short ball I think it was in the second quarter it might have been in the third quarter actually it was it was early in the third quarter I could be wrong. Anyway, don't 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 quote me on that. But he took a big hit on a short pass, and he kind of hobbled over to the sideline. Never won the injury tent, um, but he just didn't look right after that. And I, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the injury report with something on Wednesday. But either way, he was out there. Got to be productive. Got to do something. Derek threw the ball thirty-seven times. He targeted him six times. He had one catch for six yards. That can't happen. But you know, to me, it's like Derek. He, 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 he won't use the shoulder as an excuse and he shouldn't, you know, and, and like people are, people say, oh, whatever, but like, now he's not going to do that. But okay. One of two things is true. Either Derek Carr played with an injury that limited him at such a level that he hurt his team by being out there because he was ineffective. 23 for 37 for 127 yards. He was completely ineffective. He didn't turn the ball over. You give him that. So either either the shoulder was the reason or he's out there playing at a, at a low enough level that he's hurting his team. And he's perfectly healthy. But he's playing at a level so ineffective that he's hurting his team in that way. So which, do you, which would you prefer? Pick one. Neither is great. But at least if it's the shoulder, <laughs> to some extent, you could hope that it would get better. So personally, <laughs> I'm hoping that what we saw today was a hurt quarterback trying to get it done. And I, you know, and, and I said this in the pregame, like the report, I think Nick Underhill reported that, you know, he didn't have any pain on Saturday. He threw again, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> the problem with this is the person who you're trusting to report the status of his shoulder is the guy who, by his own admission, said that he decided on Sunday night that he was going to start in this game. You heard that correctly. Not Sunday morning. Not this morning. Last week. He decided, coming home from Green Bay, that he was going to start in this game. So, it wouldn't have mattered whether he was feeling pain. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> he was going to tell you that he was ready to go. So, there is a, there is a, as a head coach, as a coaching staff... You got to know, you got to understand, and you got to say, hey, the doctors, all the doctors have told me that this is a minimum one to two week recovery timeline. And I know that you want to be a, want to be a warrior, but we're not putting you out there. And you know what? Part of me wonders if they didn't want to put Jameis out there just in case the offense looked good. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, stock down, man. Because if, if you went out there knowing that you were gonna that you couldn't be as effective as you needed to be, that's selfish. 
<laughs> and if you went out there and were that ineffective, that's just bad. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Neither of those options is good, but one of them has to be true. So uh, anyway, that's that's my first stock down. Chris Olave, you know, I, I saw some people questioning the effort. Again, I, I, I think he was hurt. I think he was dealing with something, but who, who knows? It, it's tough. You know, either way, the, the, the offense looked demoralized by the end. So, okay, let's let's move on. I, I did enough ranting about Derek Carr. You know, and I like Derek Carr a lot. I think Derek Carr is a great leader on this team. I just don't like how this went. You can't sit there and tell me, we have faith in Jameis, we have faith in Jameis, we trust Jameis, Jameis can get it done, and then make a decision like you saw today, and, and, and it clearly went the way it did. Next stock down, and this is unfair. I'll, I'll preempt this by saying it's completely unfair. Marshawn Lattimore. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, Mike Evans only played half of this game. He still won that matchup. He had four catches, 40 yards. Let me double check that. I want to say four catches for 40 yards. Three catches for 40 yards. You know, I think one of those was not on Marshawn. Two of them were. And that doesn't bake in the third down play where Marshawn got beat clean. You could argue it was offensive pass interference. Maybe it was. I don't, it's neither here nor there. Didn't get called. He got beat to the point that the only option he had available to him was from the ground to reach out and grab Mike Evans' legs and pull him to the ground. And it was a good play because if not, they're playing cover zero. That's a touchdown. (laughs) He walks into the end zone. Easiest touchdown pass of Baker Mayfield's life. So realistically, it was a great play to prevent a touchdown, but it was a terrible play on third down because you left yourself with no option. In that matchup that you're supposed to win and you're supposed to be the star. And, you know, again, this is unfair because if this was anybody else, you'd be like, you know what? He had a great game. He didn't have a bad game, but he didn't have the Marshawn game that that you grow to expect and the Marshawn game that the Saints defense kind of needs, right? Like you, you play a certain way on defense because you know you have Marshawn out there who's going to lock down, is going to take away that guy. And Baker, you know, <laughs> to for all his faults, Baker is not afraid to throw at anybody. You know, Baker went out first throw of the game, went right at Marshawn. He set the standard for how he was going to approach that matchup. And, you know, I think Marshawn was kind of surprised because you go into those matchups and he's covering them like a blanket and the ball just didn't go there. Tom Brady never challenged Marshawn, but Baker did. And, uh, and, and, and Mike won that battle, and they went out at halftime with a hamstring, and that's when it kind of got weird because Chris Godwin is going to play a lot of the game in the slot, and Marshawn's not going to go in the slot. So you can't just say, okay, Marshawn, follow, along, follow around Chris Godwin. And when Mike Evans went out, you saw the Bucks kind of go to this weird kind of hybrid design with their wide receivers, and so it kind of leaves Marshawn's like, okay, who am I defending? And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, and I, so in, to some extent, I think Mike Evans going out made the Bucks a little more difficult to defend. And that's weird to say, but it just made them a little bit more unpredictable. Like what, what, what you were expecting them to do was no longer what they were doing because they didn't have Mike Evans. Um, and so like they just didn't throw at Marshawn the rest of the game. I, you know, there were points where I'm like, oh, Marshawn is still out there. He's just standing alone on that side of the field because why would you throw at him? But, you know, I, I was disappointed in that. You know, this is probably the first time I watched a Marshawn-Mike Evans matchup where I thought Mike won. Um, and so, you know, again, it's not fair. But but because Marshawn is that elite-level player, I expect him to play at a higher level than he did today. 
you know? And so he's a stock down. And, and just because the defense as a whole, like, it did not get the job done, right? Like, again, like I, like I said in the first segment, like, you can't, you know, your, your offense has done nothing. But it at least engineered two extended scoring drives to make it a one-score game but the defense was never able to get them the ball back with a chance to fail, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that can't happen. Um, so, you know, uh, there's that. My next stock down player is again, I'm going to harp on the defense here. Anyone who tried to make a tackle, I don't know how many missed tackles there were in this game, but golly, how, I mean, the number of times I saw a play and was like, Oh, Stop. They got him. Third down. They stopped him short. And then all of a sudden, they're three yards past the, the line to gain. Like, what? Rashad White, Keyshawn Vaughn, they ran the Saints ragged. I don't know what their numbers ended up being. Rashad White, 15 carries for 56 yards. You know, it's crazy that it's not more than that. His long was 11, but it felt like his minimum was five. You know, like, like the, the, I have to look, but I guarantee you, he had at least five or six runs between six and 10 yards. Like, it seemed like every time they ran up the middle, they were getting at least four or five yards. And this is a defense that is supposed to be built to stop the run. A 4-3 scheme is supposed to have beef in the middle, right? Like, that's the whole point of it. You're, you're, you're containing on the edges and you're stopping the run with these two big defensive tackles. Well, how are they running up the middle like that with guys named Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White? What the heck? They don't even have their best their best interior lineman. Ryan Jensen's on IR. So what is happening? Um, you know, I, there was a play. I think it was Alante Taylor. He got juked out of his shoes. That was on the touchdown drive. I think it was a third down play. The Chris Godwin catch late in the game. Demario Davis getting called for a hold. You know, like I don't think Demario had a great game. I don't think anyone on the defense had a great game. And I know there's comments in there saying, oh, they got a turnover. They got a turnover. You know, yes, but... That's it. I mean, like, that was the only game-altering play they made, and it was at the one-yard line. You know, I just I just feel like that the, the defense failed uh, today. You know, it just didn't get the job done. And to me, you know, I expected the offense to, to struggle be, because, you know, I wouldn't say I expected it, but, like, you're used to it. Like, you've seen this movie before. If you're surprised by it now... That's on you because they've show, the Saints have shown you who they are on offense. But what I thought they were on defense is a top unit. Well, the last two weeks, at least, you know, the, the second half against the Packers and all day today, you did not see that. It was very much an overmatched defense trying to make up for an overmatched offense. And that's it's not gonna it's not gonna win you a lot of games. <sighs> Frustrating. I don't I don't know. I don't know. The, the pass rush wasn't there. The containment wasn't there. Baker Mayfield, he can run, but he's not. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't run like he looked like he could today. <laughs> it was just bad. It was just bad all around. All right. Next one going down. These are technically dishonorable mentions, right? But they're on there. Man, you're a fullback. <laughs> you don't get a lot of opportunities. To screw up, right? Like in most cases, best case scenario, you make a nice block, and the play-by-play guy is like, "Oh, hey, is fullback Adam Prentice, oh, a couple yards." Man, he really put his fingerprints on this game in a very, very bad way. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Prentice gets cut. 
Like, that's how bad he was. You know what? And I mean, like, he, he, I'm sure he threw some nice blocks. You're going to look back on film and you're going to be like, ah, oh, great block, Adam. But, man, the first, I think it was a third down play on the second drive of the game. The Saints went down the field, you know, kicked the field goal because that's what they do. And then, and then the defense stood up, right? You know, not a perfect start, but a pretty good start, right? You went down and scored. You got the ball back up three to nothing. Derek Carr, at that point, Drew's shoulder was feeling great. The painkillers were still at full capacity. And, you know, he makes, he extends a play. The offensive line kind of breaks down, but he extends it. Oh, look who's standing alone on the edge of the field. Adam Prentice. You know, the, the trope that you'll hear from play-by-play announcers is, oh, if he caught it, he'd still be running. Now, I don't think Adam Prentice was going 70 yards. That's a probably a bit extreme but you know the the space he had in front of him he's easily getting that first down maybe 20 25 yards even and so he makes that catch who knows you're in you're, you're close to field goal range you know maybe that's maybe that play that that third down conversion it demoralizes the bucks defense and you're able to finally get on the board so you could argue that adam prentice cost you a chance for at least three more points when you were up 3 nothing and kind of, it felt like, in control of the game to some extent. Fast forward to the end of the first half. Isaac Yadam makes a momentum-turning play. That interception, I still think it was a touchback, super lame. Like, I don't understand what the the refs are trying to accomplish. By like, it's like, the offense screwed up, but they get rewarded. <laughs> get the heck out of here. You know... Dennis Allen said himself, like, they were just trying to run out the clock, but they couldn't take a knee because they were on the one. So they had to at least run one play to get space so that you're not kneeling in the end zone. When you know what to give it to Adam. First carry of the year, he actually gets some yardage. Got five yards. Woo! Fumble. I just... Like, there's a point where it's like, all you can do is sit there and just, like, laugh. Because it's like, come on. What is this? How did that doesn't happen? I mean, there's one job there. And it's to not turn the ball over. Maybe get a couple yards. And otherwise, you, you hold on to that ball like it's your child. Like, there's no reason you're even fighting for more yards. And he fumbles it. And, you know, and, like, like you talk about momentum in a game where the, you knew the Saints were going to struggle to score. We saw it. You know, they had three points on the board. <laughs> this is not a game where you can afford to spot a team seven points. And, and that's what you did. Like, you could have gotten into halftime down 7-3. And then you came back, got a three and out, kicked a field goal. Suddenly it's 7-6. It's anybody's game. Instead, it is 14-3. And that feels like five scores with the way the Saints offense has been operating. Adam Prentice cost the Saints two massive momentum-swinging moments. The fullback, who most teams don't even have, because you could argue they're not worth the roster spot. So, man, (laughs) I don't know. Your stock as a fullback is like this really tiny range where only like three teams actually even care about it. But, wow, you just flew right to the bottom. Gosh, that's too bad. I like Adam Prentice. I think he works hard. He's always there. You know, he does the dirty work, but you can't. Come on. You can't do that. Oh, gosh. I, I, I feel like I'm on crazy pills. Uh, you know, so Pete Carmichael is on here. We don't have to go into it too much. I went into it in the last segment. I Again, like this, the shot play thing, it's like if you're going to try to do a tendency breaker, it can't be the tendency you've established 
because all you ever run are tendency breakers in the same spot of the field. You run, sh- you run shot plays at a third and two always. And again, I don't hate the idea of running a shot play in a situation where they think you're going to pound the ball because you get a great look to run a shot play. But if you only do that, <laughs> then it doesn't work. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot to complain about with Pete Carmichael. And again, like, I don't, I'm not going to limit it to the play calling. That's my issue. It's like, I, the play calling is, you know, it's it's all situational, right? Like, I'm, I think it's a scheme issue. I think it's a preparation issue. Because uh, did it seem like the Saints were prepared today? Did that look like a team? Like, the Bucks were the ones coming off a short week. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. My last stock down, and, and again, you know, these a lot of these aren't fair. But, uh, you know, and, and like, I feel like I've hit basically everyone at some level, you know, there's not a ton of stock up guys, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hammer Max Garcia too hard, right? Like he should have never been in the game. I was surprised they didn't go to Nick Saldaveri. Um, cause you drafted that guy, you went up and got him. Why are you not giving you a rookie a chance? But, uh, Max Garcia, you know, he had to take over for the guy who took because for the guy who got concussed, who took over for the guy who got concussed. So that's Andres Pete who went out with a concussion. Cesar Ruiz was already out with a concussion. So Max Garcia ended in there, <laughs> ended up in there. And I don't know what the heck the Saints have been doing in terms of preparing their backup offensive linemen. But what in the world is going on when the, like, why wasn't and- Andres Pete not prepared to come in at right guard? So James Hurst didn't have to move out of position. Why was Max Garcia not prepared to come in at left guard so that James Hurst, after spending all week preparing to play right guard, didn't have to switch across the line? <laughs> Late in the game. <laughs> I mean, these are the type of things that don't make sense to me. Where is the preparation? How can the best option be to bring a guy in and then move another guy across the line two weeks in a row when these guys should have been prepared for that. Those are the types of things that don't make sense to me. Um, so, you know, that that's... I'm not going to blame Max Garcia for that, but I do blame the coaching. I blame the preparation. Last guy, and, and again, this isn't fair. This isn't fair to Jameis Winston, but I'm going to say Jameis Winston, and it's because, dude, seriously... You got in the game with two minutes left. You had a chance to go in there and run offense and, 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 and do something that you could point to and be like, this is how this offense is supposed to run. This is what we should have been doing all game. If I was in here, this would have worked. You know? I mean, and instead, what you do is go in there and just heave it. <laughs> you threw a punt. And Why? What was the best case scenario? You hit Chris Olave in double coverage. Fantastic. The points don't matter. You needed to go in there and make a sales pitch for why they were wrong to trust an injured Derek Carr over you. And instead, you went in there and played into the exact narrative that is not necessarily fair, but it's very much out there and just threw a pick. Because you felt like it? Because it was the easiest thing to do? Like, gosh, throw it to Mike. Throw it to the running back. Do something to prove that you run this offense, right? You aren't just a just a sling it guy. 
And that's what you did. And that was so strange to me. Like, I don't understand that at all. Like, what were you doing? It was like, it's not like he was wide open. You threw into double coverage. You decided before the play started. I'm just taking a shot. F it, he's out there somewhere. I don't get it. And so, like, that's disappointing to me. Because I would have loved to be able to come on here and be like, man, see what Jameis did at the end of the game? Yeah, maybe they should have thrown Jameis out there. Well, if that's what you're going to do, then it's hard to make that argument, Jameis. So he, he, that's that's a tough one for me. But I think he's on there. You know, there's a, there's a lot more we could go through. Um, but been doing, we've been on here for about 50 minutes and all I've done is complain. And there's 120 or so comments in there that, that I want to get through. So let's wrap that up. We're going to come back. We're going to hit the mailbag. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Saints 9, Bucks 26. Doesn't sound any better when you say it in reverse. Saints 2 and 2, Bucks 3 and 1. Very much in control of the division. The Falcons also lost today. So they are clear ahead in the, in the NFC South race. Ugh. Not uh, not not what not what you're hoping for when you came into today, but you know maybe we were all fools for not seeing this coming. Yeah, uh, because it seems like every Bucks matchup at the Superdome, well, well, I guess not every Bucks matchup, but the last two years we've seen this exact same story play out. Today was worse, um, but all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up this segment, go to the break, get the rest of these comments, and be right back. On Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak. This is the mailbag segment. We're going to go through as many questions as we can. But not here for almost an hour already, so I'm going to try to keep it to a reasonable length. But we'll just get right into it. We'll dive into a topic that I got into late in the last segment. People seem to want to talk more about it. So let's go. Jay Will says, how funny the media didn't see Winston get hit throwing. Not a fair take. He was hit while throwing. He doesn't have a choice where to throw. Carr did it all game. Sure, you got hit by th- while throwing. You still chose to throw into double coverage, right? Chris wasn't open. You threw there. He ob- objectively has a choice to of whether to throw to his first read or go somewhere else. He got in and decided to chuck it. Did he get hit? Sure. I mean, it, that's neither here nor there. You know, <laughs> I wanted to see him run some offense, not just heave it. And that's what he did. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. You know, yeah, I, sure. Get into rhythm. You don't get into a rhythm by chucking it deep on the first throw. You, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's not what I wanted to see, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and it was disappointing to me because I wanted to see him go in there and, and run some offense, move the ball, show that you can run the offense, right? Because, you know, he, he got in in the second half last week and he looked okay. You know, like he didn't get down the field. The closest he got was, I think, the 37-yard line. They decided not to kick it. I wanted to see him lead a drive and do something. He got the first team reps this week. You can say he wasn't in rhythm. He had the reps in practice. He should have been ready to go in there and do something. And sure, no one's motivated at that point. I get it. But I I just would have liked to see him put up something that made it, you know, a conversation of like, you know, we saw 
we saw Derek go out there with a shoulder that probably isn't ready and struggle. Maybe we do this. And instead, the only clip you have <laughs> is that. And and so it's disappointing. I, I get it. I'm not trying to slam Jameis. I'm just saying I'm disappointed that that's what happened. And I, I don't, when I say stock down, my stock's not down on Jameis for that. It's more of just, again, a disappointment thing. Because <laughs> I would have loved to see him go out there and, you know, have a little success, and, and he didn't. So we, we can we can we can move on. But let's let's go to a different question. Uh, Trav five hundred four. Who's to blame? DC says it's not Pete. DC, I think you meant DA. You know, DA didn't say it's not Pete. DA said it's everybody. And and here, let's. I have this clip from Dennis Allen, and you know, to his credit, he didn't. You know, and so you kind of have to read between the lines with Dennis Allen. You you hear him talk enough. He's not going to go out and say. You know, yeah, Pete really dropped the ball on this. But if he doesn't give an endorsement and say, I think Pete called a good game, I think that Pete has this offense prepared, then you like that's kind of the line uh, where you can you can interpret that he there there is some serious questions. Is he, and he's never gonna DA's not the type of coach and, and coaches shouldn't. He's not the type of coach that will go up there without watching the film and say, I think this is what happened and, and I'm going to critique it. He's always going to fall back on, I need to go watch the film. Because, hey, you know, and, and I, like, this is the first year I've been able to speak from experience. When you're on the sideline, you don't get a great look at everything that happened on a play. You're, you're seeing what you were watching specifically, and then you might get a replay. But in the stadium, you're not getting the replays from the broadcast. They're not showing it over and over again for a close play. And if it's a negative play that the Saints PR team might not want you to see, then they won't show it at all. So if you're, you're, your view is limited. So like I think it's the right move for a coach to not slam people in the postgame before – being able to go watch film and be like, what the fuck were you thinking? Sorry for the swear. But uh, this is what DA had to say about the... He, he was asked if it was all execution or if there is an element of the play calling that needs to be looked at. And this is what he said. There's... When you, when you get beat like that, I mean, you know, you got to look at it all, you know. Uh, I mean, um, if you just said it was all on the execution, then then that would look like a, a freaking cop-out, right? You know, um, so I think we've got to be better in a lot of areas. And just to to set this up, he's now being asked whether he thought the sh- Derek Carr's shoulder affected him during the game. Not during the game, I didn't. Um, you know, he got a little sore there at the end. Um but, I, you know, there's probably a couple of throws where I felt like it might have come up a little bit short, you know, and I don't know that that was – I don't know that was relative to the, to the shoulder or not. And so, yeah, I mean, like that's – you know, he was also asked if he would consider a change at play caller. He said, I'm not willing to go down that road right now. And, you know, that's not a no, right? Like that's kind of when you listen to DA talk, understand – that you're not going to get answers of like, yeah, f that guy. <laughs> let's let's go to let's 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 go to let's go to this person who because I decided right now that I'm going to make Ronald Curry the play caller and we're going to make Pete this guy and this, like that's not what he's going to do in the post game. But the, just the fact that he did not fully endorse Pete as the play caller and say we are very comfortable with Pete calling plays that that is a statement in and of itself. 
Um, so keep that in mind. So I, I didn't read that as DA absolving Pete of issues in this game. I read that as DA being like, no, we were, I don't think we were prepared, right? Like you don't get beat like that and say, oh yeah, the players just didn't play well enough. <laughs> you know, it, that is a part of it. But, you know, you, 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 a lot goes into that. And uh, it, it all happens in the week leading up to the game. Kevin Ashworth says, agree, the play design is worse than the play calling. No imagination. It doesn't matter what plays call if the plays themselves stink. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you, I think part of it is like you look around the league and you see, like the you know the, like the Dolphins who actually got beat today you know it's you know that's just the cyclical nature of the NFL like you can win 70-20 you know win by 50 and then you, you go face Buffalo and they beat you by however many they beat you by let's see what was the score of that game uh am I missing it I know it's here 48-20 so they did the the Dolphins beat the Broncos by 50 last week Today, they go out to Buffalo and lose by 28. And the Broncos, meanwhile, come back from like 28 points down to beat the, to beat the Bears, which, man, the Bears, Bears are currently in line to have the number one and two pick in the draft. Um, so, I mean, like, it's there's so much that you can look at. But, like, you know, you see some of these offenses, like the Dolphins and how they're using Tyreek Hill and they're doing this kind of cheat motion and – and the Kyle Shanahan and how he uses the backs and Debo Samuel. And then you see the Saints and it's like, man, this is, this is bland AF. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, there's nothing you look at and be like, wow, that was innovative. You know, that was, that was well, that was well designed. It's all like the very simplest version of an NFL offense and it's, and it's not working. Um, you know, and sure, like the pass protection is a factor, but you know, sometimes you can create situations where you can help the pass protection. And I just don't feel like the Saints have done that. And so to me, that's like, I, again, it's like, yeah, the, the play calls themselves are an issue. Sure. The play designs, you know, I don't, I don't, how much of this offense has changed in the last two years? What have you actually changed from Sean Payton being here to Pete Carmichael owning this offense for two years? I don't know, but you know, I don't, you know, Sean Payton's not here anymore. You don't have to run his offense. Um, and if your offensive coordinator is not capable of creating situations and under and creating designs and, and coming up with ideas, that's a problem. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Like that's to me, like, again, it's like, it's not all on the play calling, but thanks for the comment, Kevin. Um, we'll go down here to Carl Markey Marks, which thank you very much. Uh, has been a fan for over 30 years. I've I know and I've seen enough. Fire everyone. Loomis too. We need someone who isn't afraid of making tough cuts and a coach with modern offensive mind. We don't have a winning culture anymore. Yeah, I mean it's, you're two and two. <laughs> you're not doing that two and two. You know it's it's uh, I, I understand the frustration. I really do. I'm frustrated if 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 this hour long podcast has not illustrated that I am very frustrated. Um, I don't know what how else to how else to display it but I I mean I think there are levers you pull (laughs) before you fire everybody um you know this you are in a very precarious situation in terms of you know you haven't you have a veteran roster so a full rebuild is not as simple as it sounds like where do you what do you where do you look right like where, where do you start you have Derek Carr under contract for two more years you you are definitely planning on bringing him back next year 
So if you're going to rebuild, are you rebuilding around Derek Carr? Are you going to trade him? Are you going to do whatever? Like, that's just not a road you want to go down at this point in the season. You're going to ride it out. And so you're just hoping that you can get better. Now there's smaller decisions you could make. Do you change the play caller? Do you adjust? Do you do you move Ronald Curry up and have him be a bigger part of the offensive game planning? You know, he's the QB's coach right now. Can he be more than that? He's been getting offensive coordinator interviews. He hasn't gotten the job yet, but I imagine he will before long. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a question. I think it's fair. I think the the, the idea is, you know, fair. I don't think Gail's going to fire Mickey. Um, but at a certain point, it's like you, you. I think you're right in the sense that you need someone who is willing to make tough decisions. And right now, it feels like they took the path of least resistance in terms of handling Sean Payton's departure in maintaining everything and maintaining Dennis Allen and maintaining Pete Carmichael. And, you know, with the way things are trending right now, it's hard to, it's hard to look at that and be like, great call. Yeah. You, you definitely nailed it. Um, I'm hoping they can turn it around. I'm not, I haven't given up because <laughs> I think he's going to get a chance to turn it around. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see. It's Trav five of horses touchback or not. They turned it over the next play. Disagree with this. He's talking about the Adam Prentice fumble because if that was a touchback, Adam Prentice never gets the ball. <laughs> you know, like if you, I think the Saints probably would have just kneeled it out uh, in general. I think you were in the final minute. I think there was like forty some odd seconds left. So, like, no, they don't turn it over if the ball is not at the one yard line because the reason you had to give Adam Prentice the ball is that you did not have enough space to kneel without it being a safety. So no, it, that that touchback was a huge point in the game. Now I've seen some people saying that they could challenge it, possibly, but it's in the final two minutes, so you can't challenge it. It would have had to be reviewed by the officials. They by the officials, you can't challenge in the last two minutes of either half. It is all booth initiated. So I imagine that it is a situation where it is non-reviewable, based on the the call on the field. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but in terms of it being non-reviewable, but I do know for sure that the Saints could not have challenged it. Actually, if the Saints did try to challenge it, pretty sure there's a penalty associated with that because it would have been delay a game. So yeah, I mean, like I did see the critique that DA should have challenged it. You know, we can critique a lot of things for DA. That's not one of them because he didn't have that option. Warrior, 93. Defense played good enough. Oh, well played good. Carr shouldn't have played, and the third down calls were garbage. SMH. Um, I agree. I think the the offensive line was, you know, by their standards, good. I think they were reasonable. I think the protection was reasonable. I don't think it was the reason that he struggled so hard today. Um, I don't think the defense played well enough. I don't think they would tell you that they played well enough. Um, you had you had good defense in points. You had some nice plays, but I didn't see. You know, Lonnie Johnson had a chance to to change that game early. He had a pick six gift wrapped and he let it go through his hands, you know, and, and that's the type of play that I think if you get out ahead and the defense can pin their ears back a little bit, could have, could have set up the saints. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, like, I think this, this team as it's, as it's working right now needs that defense to make game changing plays and they didn't make any. Um, and you know, they, they made one close, close play, you know, the Adam interception and, it just, you know, with the second it got put down at the one, I was like, only bad things happened. 
only bad things happen here. You know, it's funny because it literally happened to the Bucks last week against the Eagles. The exact same thing happened. You had an interception at the goal line, and the D officials said, oh, he's down at the one. And then the Eagles actually got a safety, which in hindsight would have been better than what happened to the Saints. The Saints actually got worse uh, in that sense because they allowed seven instead of two. But, yeah, it's uh, – Anyway, it's it's a whole thing. But I didn't think the defense like we can we can trash the offense and say the offense didn't have a good day and they didn't and they they've struggled for seems like a year at this point. But the defense doesn't get a pass in this game. And they don't get a pass for last week either. You know, you look at the last 3 games and I talked to Tyron Matthew about this before the game and he he's as concerned about it as I am in that that the Panthers game. You know, that that drive at that point felt like an anomaly. It was literally the first touchdown they allowed all season. But you get into the fourth quarter and suddenly you allow a long touchdown drive and the Panthers to score. They're down 10. They needed to get an onside kick, but you allowed them that opportunity. DeMarco Jackson recovered it. It didn't end up hurting you, but that happened. Like that's a thing and it happened. The next week, you are up 17 to nothing midway through the fourth quarter. Field goal, touchdown, two-point conversion, touchdown. You lost you know, Jameis did drive them into field goal range. Blake missed the field goal. I think Blake had a good day. He probably should have been in the stock up. He had three field goals. He did a good job. But, you know, that's that's what this defense record is right now, is allowing scores at inopportune times. <laughs> you know, and again, like I said, like the offense, as bad as it was, cut the lead to one score twice in the second half and never got the ball back without being down 11 or more. So, you know, I, I don't think the defense had a good enough day. You need, you need more from them. And is, is it fair? No, but it's the, it's the reality. If this Saints team wants to be competitive this year, it needs its defense to put up a better performance than it did today. Now, key, I, I, he, the thing is, so you, you are without Marcus May. <laughs> You're without Jordan Howden. You lost Lonnie Johnson. Jonathan Abram is starting for you at safety. Paulson Adebo isn't out there. You know, so you are making, mixing and matching and making things work. Peyton Turner's obviously hurt as well. But, you know, you have enough pieces. You should, you should be more competitive. Demario Davis and Cam Jordan looked really old. Where are our leaders at? Leaders need to step up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to watch the film to get an idea of this. Like, I think, you know, one of the issues with the Saints defense is the way they play. They're bulky, right? Like, the, the way they ha- they're set up, they have bulky players. They have big DNs. They have big D tackles. And that makes it difficult to kind of maintain con- containment on quarterbacks that are kind of jitterbugging it, right? Like Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield are very similar in that way. They're not running quarterbacks, but they understand how to move and how to maneuver and how to create angles and get the yards they need. They don't need a 30-yard run. Like They're not trying to break a 50-yard touchdown run. They're just trying to get to the sticks and get out of bounds. And that's honestly, I think, more frustrating for this team than a quarterback who is looking to run because you can run fit and you can stop it like a design quarterback run I think they can handle but that that just kind of like extended play where they're just waiting for a guy to run too far upfield you know it's 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 kind of the Saints kryptonite in that way and like a guy like Jalen Hurts like that's why they have so much trouble with him Kyler Murray Kyler Murray has not been good like the last two years but he plays the Saints and he's like you know all world um, and you know, it's kind of, you, you can look at it and say, maybe they need to evolve from a scheme perspective. Um, but that's not happening mid season. So, you know, it's, it's tough, but I don't know if it's, it's being old. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I don't think K 
Cam or Demario. I think so. I don't think Cam has lost a step. I think Demario. You know, I don't. I don't. He, I don't want to say he's lost a step, but he's definitely not the 26-year-old Demario. Um, but he makes up for that by being ahead of the curve from an intellectual standpoint, right? So he knows what's happening, and so he can get there faster. Um, I don't know. Like Demario and Cam weren't an issue all season. I, I don't. I think they'll they'll step up. I'm not worried about them. Brian Edwards Jr., Jalen Smith, is he even still in consideration to be our starting linebacker yet along with backups, not practice squad, anyone? So Jalen Smith's on the practice squad. Now, the problem with Jalen Smith is he is a middle linebacker. Like, he's – he's that's all – that you're that's what you're that's where you're playing him. Like, you're playing at Sam, but you put the Sam linebacker on the field, what, five snaps a game? You know, and, and he's not going to play special teams. So – it doesn't make sense to have him on the active roster. He was a guy you brought in when when Demario got hurt. Those were two very specific things that happened. Demario Davis got hurt and missed about two weeks of practice, and you brought in Jalen Smith for the eventuality that maybe he had to play games without Demario. That's what happened. And Jalen Smith wanted to stick around, and I think the Saints were happy to have him around because I think that's a great insurance policy, but that's what it is. Um, you're not bringing up Jalen unless you have an injury. And realistically, it would take two injuries to get him on the field because I think you would put Pete Werner at middle linebacker before you would put Jalen in middle linebacker because I think you could figure out a will. So that's where he is. I mean, he's there. He's still on the practice squad. He's he's, he's doing his job. He has a really cool truck. I see it at the facility sometimes. And I know it's his because it's got his logo on the back. Uh, anyway, Brian Edwards also asked, when will Paulson return? I don't know. Hamstrings are tough. He didn't get on the field at all for practice this week. You know, that's that's the first step. It's like, can he get into a limited practice and then go from there? All right, we'll get to a couple more questions. 81 questions in here. There's just only so much that I can... 81 comments, I should say. They're not all questions. But let's get to one more, and, uh, and then I'll have to cut it off. Danny TO4, was Carr holding on to the ball for too long again? You know, it's a good question. And I think that you watch Derek Carr and... It's interesting because he is willing to take hits, right? Like in a, on a third down situation, when it's third and nine, he's not going to take a check down in most cases. He's not going to take a check down just to save his own hide. And that, I think, worked against him against the Packers where he had a check down available. Jimmy Graham was there. It was short of the sticks. It was a third and nine, I think, and it would have been a, about a five-yard pass. Probably gets tackled short of it. Um, and so in some instances, I think you do see him hold the ball too long, but in other instances today, I mean, he threw to Alva Kamara 13 times. He checked it down a lot. And my issue is like, what it's, it's, it seems to be all or nothing. It's, it's never like that middle ground where it's like, okay, the smart move is to check it down, get there fast, right? It's, it's either you're doing it or you're not. And and that's, I don't know, like you threw to Alvin Kamara 13 times, you threw to Jimmy Graham zero times. You know, you threw to Chris Olave six times. Well, he, uh, Derek threw to Chris Olave six, five, five times. The the last target was Jameis' only target. Um, and that ended in the interception. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough because like I think this was a game where you did scheme. And, we, and, and, this, and that's the thing. So... One thing that like people say, wow, why was he checking it down? Well, you know, we've heard all week the protection's bad. Get the ball out fast. 
use the quick game. Well, I think they were doing that, right? Like they were running some screens. They didn't always work, you know? And, and so like, that's the thing. It's like you're scheming, you're scheming, you're trying to get certain looks and then you end up throwing Al Kamara 13 times. Uh, and so it, it, it's, it's a give and take, but you know, I, I thought that gen- that's the, that's the frustrating thing is, you know, we are like, well, the problem is he's holding onto the ball too long. Get the ball out of his hands, you know, get, get the first downs and move on. Well, that's what they did on those long drives in the second half, right? Like that's how they move the ball. And so like it was effective, but that only works for so long. At one point, I felt like they were getting a little too predictable with the Taysom Hill offense. You drove all the way downfield. I think they were, I don't know if it was a red zone or it was close to it, if not. And then you just kind of like, you just kind of telegraphed a Taysom Hill run and they were like, okay, fine. And they came up and they just stuffed it. And it's like, why? It doesn't have to be every first down. It doesn't have to be so formulaic. Like, like the, the, I th- said this before, before the game, it's like, you know, you can have a 99 mile an hour fastball, but you know, that's only going to work until they gear up for a 99 mile an hour fastball and then they can hit it. They just got to swing earlier, but you need, you need a change up. You need a curveball. You need stuff to keep defenses off balance. And right now it feels like the saints only have a fastball and it's not a 99 mile an hour fastball. It's like a, it's like a 96 mile an hour fastball with like a little wiggle, you know, and, and, and it's not, not getting the job done, you know? You know, you got a breaking ball, but it just kind of floats. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's not a thing. You know, this baseball analogy probably falls apart pretty quickly, but you get the idea. Like, I just, it, it just feels like there's just not a good grasp on when to call certain plays and, and, and when to deviate and when not to deviate. Like, when to run a tendency breaker and when your tendency breaker becomes your tendency. And, you know, I don't, it pro, it's like, you'd like to say, okay, well, this is something that you can learn from and grow. Pete Carmel's been in this job for 16 years. How much more can you grow? How much more can you learn? Um, that's the frustrating thing. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, I think Derek Carr, when his shoulder is better, which I imagine it'll be next week, we'll see, we'll run this offense a little bit more efficiently, but I don't know, you know, and I think that's, that's where it becomes really frustrating because, I don't think the Bucs are, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't think the Bucs are that good of a football team. But they were a lot better than the Saints today. And that's very frustrating to say. Um, but all right. This has been a very, it's been an hour and 20 minute therapy session for mostly for me, but I hope for you as well. Um, we, went, we went through some stuff. We talked it out. You know, we can get through the week. We'll, we'll do it. We'll get there together. But this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Thanks to everyone who joined in, everyone who left a comment. A lot of comments in there. I was not able to get to them all, but I do appreciate everybody. Someone says Chris Olave was targeted seven times, not according to every stat box score I've looked at. I don't know why I decided to, to humor that. Anyway, <laughs> move on. Thanks, everyone. You know, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. If you're watching this, you know, when you use Apple Podcasts and you wouldn't mind going there and just giving us a rating and a review, that'd be great. You know, that helps us kind of move up in the in the listings and and you know, I like seeing them. I like hearing from y'all. Uh, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, DMs are open. I'm always looking for suggestions, criticisms. You know, ideally you'll be nice to me, but you don't have to be. It's up to you. 
but all right. I'm going to log off here and uh, try to figure out how to erase this game from my memory as quickly as possible. Bourbon might be involved. We'll see. Again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate y'all. Who dat? Go Saints. Be easy.